I love the way the First Gen Lounge makes me feel. Because it creates a space where I belong, where we're able to create community. The fact that it's a community. It's a safe place. It also gives me a place to understand different perspectives. The stories of these individuals prescribe transformational perspective. I receive encouragement, enlightenment, empowerment. And also serve as a catalyst to just keep going. Where we're able to be our true selves. I'm allowed to be an unapologetic first gen. And above all else, tell our story. And every episode is unique. I love it. I'm your host, Dr. Eve, and I'd like to welcome you to the First Gen Lounge. Extremely happy to be here today. It is beautiful in North Carolina. I am here with the newly minted, I'm going to say it, you ready for me to say it? Yes. Dr. Tasha Gardner. Yes, yes. ma'am. Congratulations, Dr. Gardner. Oh, yes. Thank you. You are so welcome. Look, I am so incredibly proud of you. I am proud of, of any human being who can just get through that muddy water. <laughs> but especially, you know, proud of my people. And I say my people, my black people, because I understand the adversity um, of being a person of color, but then for you to be a woman, just all the layers. So congrats, congrats to you for what you have done. Yeah, I, I want to know, you know, how you feeling right now about it? Like, you know, it, what's, what's the first thing that came to mind when they were like, you know, congratulations, Dr. Gar no, you fast. <laughs> I think the first thing that came to mind were all the edits. Like <laughs> people talk about that they have edits, but no one has talked about the extent of the edits that they have. And I had I had a pretty decent amount of edits and I was like, I'm trying to be done. You want me to rewrite this whole thing pretty much is what it felt like. So in that moment, I was like, I do not feel like a doctor. But when I finished my edits and submitted them and, you know, processed everything, it was like, okay, I kind of breathed at that point. It was like, I'm done. This is, this is it. This is it. This is real. And so graduation is how long? Next Thursday. Next Thursday. Wow. Yeah, that happens fast. Yeah. But again, just really, really congratulations. And it's nice to be on the front end because I believe I'm not saying this is one of the first things that you're doing, you know, as a first gen doc. So um, I'm I'm extremely excited to share this experience with you because when you look back in like the next two, three years, you'd be like, gosh, that happened. Um, Just all of it. And it's so much excitement. So please make sure that you celebrate yourself all year. All next yeah. year. <laughs> but yes, but look, I really just want to put that out there first and let the people know y'all look. It's real out here that us first gens are, are going further and we're and we're aiming for this education because it is so life altering. And so Dr. Gardner, if you will please tell us about yourself. Who are you and what is it that you do? So I am originally from upstate New York. I grew up in a predominantly white area, predominantly white high school. And when I graduated, I moved down to Philadelphia, which is the opposite. And I went to Drexel University where I got my bachelor's as well as my master's. And I currently work at Drexel as well in the Center for Inclusive Education and Scholarship. And the work that I do really focuses on students of color, students from underrepresented and underserved populations, and especially first-generation students. All those populations are very near and dear to me because of my own background coming from a predominantly white area. 
being first generation, either one of my parents went to college. My mom has her associate's degree and my dad went into the military. So very different experience for them. And so when it was my time to come along, they were like, uh, good luck. We have your back. Go forward. <laughs> do what you need to do. Let us know if you need us. But we, we think that you got this. And so I just kind of, you know, pushed my way through. I took breaks between all of my degrees. So I went straight through for my undergrad. And then I worked for a couple years, went back for my master's, took some time off. And then three, four years ago, decided to pursue my doctorate and just finish that. So as of now, I'm saying I'm done. I say I'm done at the end of every degree and then something comes up. So, <laughs> you know, just kind of thinking about, you know, what's next. Yeah, don't feel bad. I was talking to my husband the other day and I was like, you know what? I think I'm gonna go back to school. <laughs> and he was quiet for a minute. And he looked at me, he was like, for what? And I was like, I don't know. And he was just like, oh, okay. But I, I feel you. But again, now that it's, you know, the academic thing is done, I'm sure there's so much that you can do. And, and you'll find that, like I was telling you when we spoke earlier, I felt so lost after I finished school. Yes. Because that's all I knew. And I and I love being a student. So I'm becoming and have become a student of life and trying to engage myself and do different things. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm finding my way. And I'm like, gosh, it's almost been four years. It's three and a half years now. But it's just like the time really, really flies. But hey, good luck to you in, in this new quest. Yes, thank you. So really curious to know, so from New York to Philadelphia, what made you even look out of state or want to leave home? So I grew up, I have an older brother and he is very outgoing. And so growing up, I was always kind of in his shadow, like whether I put myself there or other people put me there. And it was easy for me to hide behind him, not have to be as vocal, just kind of keep my head down and do my thing. But I knew that I couldn't do that for the rest of my life, that I needed to become my own person. And I wanted to have my own identity because I was always his little sister as opposed to me being Tasha. And I wanted to go away because I just wanted to get away from that area. And I decided to look at schools that were far enough away that my parents couldn't come unexpectedly, but still close enough that I could get home for like a quick weekend trip. And I kind of did it based off a of distance. New York City is closer, but it just seemed too intimidating for me coming from a predominantly suburban area, I was like, nah, I'm not quite ready for, for that. I had visited Philly a couple times in high school and middle school, and it seemed like a city that was not as big, had enough going on that I wouldn't feel lost. And so I started looking at schools just within the Philadelphia area, did a college tour with my parents, and we visited Drexel, and it just felt right. So I applied and next thing you know, um, I got in. Mm, that was really awesome. <laughs> Finding your own identity, literally. Yes. Um, led you there. That's that's really cool to me. And then the other thing, I'm, I'm curious to know, this first time I'm really thinking about it in one of the interviews, what is it that made you choose though to go to a PWI over an HBCU? So quite honestly, I have, just because I have always been in a predominantly white area, I didn't know how I would fit in at an HBCU. And especially being first gen and not having anyone had any type of college experience, I just kind of kept going with what I knew. And that was mm. staying in an environment that was somewhat diverse, not 
as diverse, you know, now that I'm older, seeing that it could have a little bit more diversity, but just being able to have a more diverse experience. And even though I definitely struggled with finding fit at a PWI, I knew how to navigate it a little bit better because it's been my whole life. That's really interesting to me. It's what you know. And I hadn't really considered, I mean, I'm someone who grew up in a predominantly black neighborhood, well actually predominantly black neighborhoods, went to predominantly black schools and ended up going to an HBCU. It was kind of innate for me to go to HBCU because I felt comfortable so I can understand that. But I think that's really cool even you wanting that diverse experience and to have found that. Thinking about where you are now even as a professional, was that something, the experience of a PWI and knowing how to navigate something that encouraged you to go work for a PWI? That's interesting. So honestly, the job just kind of, I just kind of fell into the job in a way. So Mm -hmm. when I graduated, I worked for, uh, out in the corporate world, I worked and did consulting for three years. I liked it, but then I was getting to a point where it was very political and very much, you know, making sure that I played the game and that's just not my personality. But I was still working and connected with one of my advisors from when I was a student at Drexel and just having a conversation with her one day and she was like, oh, hey, we're hiring for this position. And I was like, well, I'm looking for a change, so why not? In that aspect, it was just because the job came to me. I have started thinking about it now because I have my degree and I feel like there's opportunities to branch out. And I think I would be open to experiencing an HBCU. I think I would definitely be hesitant because I feel like my niche has been working with unrepresented minority students in a predominantly white setting and then now trying to transfer and figure out what my niche is at an HBCU because they're not underrepresented in that environment. So I think that's something that I've I've been thinking about and will continue to kind of think about and explore as I continue to explore my opportunities post-school. That's really awesome of you. I like that you have even been able to do that, but then to think about what it would be like to work at an HBCU. As a graduate of one, I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed my experience as a student, and I even enjoyed my time being a professional there, but I know that for me, I didn't think about how would I go back and and role model, how would I work in an HBCU environment? What would I like more or less as a professional? How would this propel me forward? What would it do? So the thoughtfulness is, is awesome on your part, because I mean, that diverse experiences, like you really, the faculty, I think at HBCU to me has been one of the most diverse that I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And you know, that's just people coming from all walks of life. And then the students, when you know, think about diversity of students, it's one that social class is one that was really big that I didn't even catch as a student until I was like, oh, you know, this matters because you have people from, you know, really nice backgrounds and people who just really come from the hood. And when you see them mix in this same world, it's a really interesting interaction. So I'll say right. that much. Yeah. Because even being there, but I think one thing I loved about my HBCU is that though there were people that came for money and those of us who didn't, uh-huh. for me, I couldn't tell that we were different uh-huh. because when we were at school together, it just seemed like we were all from one world. So yeah, but just a little side note that was really cool because it's fascinating me how we evolve and how we think about the spaces for which we go into. You mentioned that you were in corporate for a little bit. Yes. So curious to know how has the transition been from corporate, you know, this high, fast paced, go get it, you know, space to education, because I'm sure there's some people out there thinking about leaving education to go on corporate or vice versa. So I will say that I do not regret graduating and going to corporate. I feel like I got a good 
introduction to what it was like just to be an employee, to be out of school, to have that experience traveling and, and feeling like, you know, this jet setter going off to these not so interesting places. I had a project in Connecticut. I had a project in Baltimore. But to me, it was just exciting. I think I got to a point around after my second year of working there that it didn't feel good to me. It didn't feel right. I was actually at a project in a very remote area of Pennsylvania. I can't remember, like Morgantown or something to that effect. And the project site was all, actually the city was all white. We ended up stopping for lunch at this little small, like literally someone's kitchen in their house. And mm. like just being in that environment and having everyone kind of stare at me like, why are you here? You look lost, little black girl. Like that did not, that's when I started thinking about, is this what I want? And going into some of the project sites, you know, looking up to see, okay, so who's the leadership in the organization? It was all white men. And even looking within actually the company that I was working for, looking up at that leadership, there were a couple women, but they sacrificed like whether it was marriage or kids or even having where they're the breadwinner and the husband is a stay-at-home husband. And, you know, in my 20s, I was like, I don't know if I really want that. And I didn't feel supported to be successful in that environment. And so I knew that it was time for me to make my exit and find something else. And I really do think like God was looking out for me and was like, okay, so you belong in education. We're going to get you in the door. Here's your connection. And, you know, part of the reason why I'm still at Drexel after well, almost 13 years professionally, not only because I'm an alum and I understand the student experience, but it, there are moments where I don't always feel like I belong, but they are few and far between. This has just been home for me. So that's really good. And it's really good to hear that you had a positive professional experience in higher education. And it's interesting to hear the flip of corporate because I am, you know, high rate in my background and I tend to only hear the higher rate negative and some of the negative commentary around you know, experiences of, for people of color, but it just exists everywhere. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it was good to, to hear that. I mean, people are in the space to just really be reminded that you can't escape, but you can't run from it. No. Cause even when we go to places where, you know, it's predominantly women or it's predominantly, you know, black or Latino, there are still things to, to worry about. Sometimes it's class, sometimes it's age, sometimes it's sex. So there'll always be something. So thank you for helping remind us of that through what you've experienced. However, demonstrating that we can find our space yes. and that we can you will find a place. Cause I mean, 13 years is a, is a, is a wild honor to a job. Yes. And I think that that's really, especially now, I mean, we're all over the place and I'm definitely one of the people who was like, uh, this don't work by this don't work by And but whereas you found that, that home. So, so I'm really excited about that very much so. Yeah. And I'll add to that. I've definitely have had my challenges here, but I've been able to connect myself to enough people that when I have those challenges, I know who I can go to. I know who I can talk to and, you know, knowing who my mentors are and even my sponsors. I think I'm pretty sure I know who my sponsors are, who have kept me here and kind of helped move me into places that I can be successful. But yeah, it's definitely, I've had my challenges, still kind of going through challenges, but it's the connections that I've made that have helped. Okay. So now you brought me to a point. I'm like, oh, this is interesting. I want to know more. How 
were you able to find those people and how did you ask them to sponsor you or to mentor you i have a a really amazing mentee and we were just having this conversation and so you know how you even talk about sponsor and mentor that's not something that's always taught in higher education mm -hmm. it's more mentor so can you even go back and differentiate the two what is a sponsor what is a mentor and then if one is looking for either how can they find them and then go about real building the bridge to have that relationship with them so the way it was originally explained to me is a mentor is someone that you go out and seek and that you work with and you build that relationship with and they can help guide you on your career path and it should be somewhat of a kind of give and take relationship or maybe you're even adding value to their own experience as well whereas a sponsor is someone who's behind the scenes where you may know you may not know but they're someone who's in the room speaking on your behalf to make sure that you have opportunities and that you are not overlooked in certain promotions or other opportunities to for professional growth. So my mentors, they may not fully know they're my mentors. <laughs> <laughs> so one, I would say he's probably more of a peer mentor because we're like the same age. We both finished our doctorates within the past month. And so he's an associate dean of one of the colleges here. And I think just having him here, seeing how he's been able to progress in his career and just being able to kind of talk to him about some of the challenges that I've experienced and, you know, working with him to make sure that students have opportunities here on campus because we both have been here for a while and working with our students. So I think that one was just, I think we got paired on a project together and just kind of meshed. It was also because, you know, there are very few black people in the administration here. And so part of it was just kind of that connection of we look alike. Um, we need to kind of stick in this together. The other person, he's the, the dean of students, and I actually have a meeting with him right after this. <laughs> he, again, he's someone who's also kind of, he's up here because we're in the same age range, but I've been able to go to him and talk to him about some of the challenges that I, you know, have faced in the past. And he's definitely given me great advice. He gave me some really great advice as I was going through my doctorate degree. And, you know, I, I can't like, I feel like if he wasn't there, there might've been a chance that I may not have finished, but he was, you know, always very encouraging, always very supportive. And I think he may have also been a sponsor as well, because recently there was some reorganization organization and me and him had a conversation and the next thing I know the conversation that me and him had played out so I think you know there's also a little bit of a sponsorship there and my current supervisor I believe at one point was also a sponsor for me because about a year ago I was given some scholarships to manage and didn't really know how I got chose to do this but I was like sure I'll you know take it on but kind of found out that she recommended that I manage the, the scholarship so yeah it's kind of been I won't say luck but just kind of always keeping my eyes open and just kind of sensing who is genuine, I think has been helpful in finding a mentor and kind of figuring out who my sponsors are. What I like most about what you said is, and I don't know if you realize you said it, actually I don't think you do, there's gotta be a balance. 
Mm. And because you talk about having peer mentors, but then professional mentors, people with your supervisors, and then even people who can serve as both a mentor and a sponsor. Mm-hmm. Because I think sometimes the, the conversation and thoughts around having mentors, they all have to be older. They all have to look like us and be, th- you know, be through it. We'll have gone through what we've been through, but that's not necessarily true. Yeah. Because uh, you have men and women and peers um, people, I said, people in your same circle. And, and what I really love about peer mentorship, because I just really, literally like tapping into my, my colleagues, my peers now, is that we think that people have to be older than us to know more than we do right. about a certain subject or thing. So um, to find that support even is just really, I think it's really awesome. So for those of you who, who caught that, really catch that, <laughs> let your, your, your mentors be a diverse group of people who can give you all kinds of life experience, advice, or perspective or insight, because that that's really important to have. Yeah, I really like that so how how has having mentors and you know sponsors really shaped how you become as a mentor and a sponsor oh um (laughs) surprise (laughs) yeah I think and it's funny because sometimes I don't look at myself as a mentor but then when I'm having conversations with students or even hearing students just talk on panels and they're like oh well you know Tasha was helpful to me and it's just like oh wait they're talking about me (laughs) (laughs) I really I try to absorb as much as possible I tend to not be very vocal I tend to listen way more than I talk and so I take every Everything in, and then when it's time for me to be the mentor, I make sure that I reflect on what has been told to me and passing on that information and just being open to my students. Being real with my students, I think, is, is really important because sometimes I have to sugarcoat something sometimes because, you know, that professional, I have to represent the university. But there are times where it's like, all right, we need to have a real conversation. Like, you need to make a choice. So being able to really be open and honest with students, I think I've had that for my mentors and that's one thing that I pass down to the students that I work with and serve as a mentor for. Like I have one who I feel like he's finishing up his master's right now. He graduates next weekend as well up at Syracuse. And in many ways, I feel like he was more of a mentor to me than I was to him. But he always kind of refers to me as his mentor. And it's like, dude, like you're the one who like I saw his plan of action and what he wanted to do with his life. And I was like, dang, I need to get myself together because (laughs) he's like, you know, 15 years younger than me and he's got his whole life plan mapped out. And I'm still trying to figure out what I want to do when I grow up. So I think it's also, you know, going back to that give and take relationship of as much as I give, I'm also in a way taking from them and and hearing about what their dreams and goals are and, and reflecting on how, I can think about my own. I love that because that's something that really, really excites me when it comes to my mentees and I have a lot of them. So shout out to all my babies. <laughs> um, it's really exciting to be able to pour into them and then to like, hey, really? That's what I got from that? You know, like, hmm, that makes sense. Giving them advice and realizing you need to take your own advice is one of the things that greatly intrigues me too. So yes, yes. I, I definitely, I definitely love it um, that we both can be reflective in that sense. While I'm even thinking about reflection, something I've been doing lately is doing a lot of reading. And when I finished my my doctorate, I was like, I'm done. I'm not reading again. <laughs> I'm so sick of it. But I'm curious to know because hey, I don't know. You might be one of the people who just like, yeah, I read something by the way. But is there anything that you've read lately that's been interesting or any, like an article? 
It could be a book, something that has had you like, huh, that's interesting. So I'm actually reading Creative Quest by Quest Love right now. Wait, you're you're reading? Oh my gosh, you're a good one. <laughs> you're a good one. I was like, forget this, I'm over it. Well, I didn't say I read consistently or frequently, but I open the book every once in a while. And I feel like, because I'm always trying to figure out what's next for me, even though there's a part of me that's like, I just finished, take a break, just relax. But I'm like, okay, something, what's next? I need to keep moving. I need to keep figuring out, you know, what's next. And, and so I decided to kind of take a different approach and reading Creative Quest. I'm only like two chapters in. So but just kind of thinking about stepping out of my box and stepping out of my comfort zone because Drexel is my comfort zone. I've been here for 13 years. Mm. So it's kind of thinking about at some point leaving that comfort. Okay, that's fair. So it's curious though, how do you stay challenged in spite of being in a place where you are comfortable? Ooh, booyah, that was a good, that was a question. I'm actually proud of myself for that one. (laughs) Huh, that is a good, I think it's, part of it is staying on top of all the changes that happen. Huh, okay. Because people come and go, and so it's learning new people and learning new processes. I think now my challenge is building programming for our students that is, I don't want to say holistic, but that is what they need, but is also better collaborations with other departments. One of the challenges is we're a large institution and every department does their own thing. And so one of the challenges that I'm now trying to overcome is how can we bring some of these offices together to do one really great program as opposed to everyone doing their own small program that may not be as wonderful. So it's really Mm. building on that collaboration or building better collaboration and partnerships. And I could dig that. That's a really, really interesting perspective to me because I'm like, yo, you're right. Because you are the one who stayed. And I don't know, for some reason, in some in some areas of higher ed, it's like a revolving door. People are in and they're out. Mm-hmm. And when new people come in, they have their own ideas and want to change things. So that's very insightful. So to those of you who might get bored sometimes, I'm just admittedly one of those people. I was like, I'm bored with this, but I'm the person I have to be doing everything all the time. But then for those who are looking for a challenge or change, like you've been saying, there's change and challenge in your environment and you just have to see it and be a part of that too so gosh you're a rock star see look you handled that question like a pro you did your thing you good at what you do you good at what you do I, I'm, with you. You. I'm with you I'm with you I'm with you Dr. Gardner yeah. I have to say that a lot because I, I, when I first finished my doctorate too I had a, well, a really dope mentor and actually a peer mentor somebody who became a friend over my lifespan I'm gonna just go ahead and shout him out Dr. Donald Mitchell and he's a rock star and he used to always tell me alright doc alright doc let's get this done doc but he helped me to assimilate to this new identity <laughs> because, you know, I here we are, and you and I both were first generation, and we're doctorates, and what does this mean, and how do I act, and what does this look like, and how yes. do I carry myself, how do I talk, you know, how do I, how do I engage? And he's like, be yourself. <laughs> I'm like, but I'm a doctor now, but it's like, yeah, because you're the academic, and you're you're the genius, and you're you're wonderful, but even as a black man, he poured into me, yeah. and, you know, I appreciated his love, and his care, and his support, but he also let me know, so when you show up as a minority, and as a woman, and you're in spaces where people don't look like you and they may not act like you he was like don't forget that you are a doctor and you belong in that space and that one took me that took me so well, here we are pyramid to each other <laughs> you know definitely 
just thinking about owning that as a first gen. But it's something I want to just touch on quickly with you too. You don't have one of those first gen backgrounds, I recall, that you really came from hardship. Is that right? Correct. I mean, I grew up like probably lower middle class area. You know, we had a house, two cars, front yard, backyard, side yard, because I live in the city. <laughs> And I have no yard. I have a I have a, a square in the back. So <laughs> oh, that's interesting. So and I like that. You know, even though you did come from a different socioeconomic class, that as a first gen, your experiences are still so similar to those of us who come from low ECS backgrounds. Mm-hmm. And that being of trying to find yourself, figuring out what school to go to and not having that help. Because people think, and I don't know why this happens. A lot of people think it's because your parents have money or are doing okay that they know it all. Like they just figured out what works for them, you know? And then for you to have even gone to school and have gotten through a doctorate without that guidance from your parents. Because I don't think, you know, some parents still just don't know because they've been out of school so long they'd be like, I don't know. Yeah. But it does make a difference, you know, in terms of like the networking and the connections that you're making. Some of the decisions of where you go to school, because I know a lot of students go to schools where their parents went. Mm-hmm. They're going to be legacy and like, so that you created the legacy as well. And I'm sure they are so incredibly proud of you as they should be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're excited. <laughs> that's, that's she good to be. Is your mom going to be at graduation screaming or is she like, nah? Oh yeah, no, both of them will be there. <laughs> good. Come with their signs and their horns and everything. I look. hope not that much. <laughs> mom, I'm a dang, I ain't got enough time to release this one. So you got lucky. You got lucky. I'm gonna let your mama know. But yeah, but so we've got to the point to where we're about to wrap up, and this conversation has been so fruitful. I've really enjoyed it. Yes, yeah, so that it's definitely taken a turn that I didn't expect, but that's what I like about these conversations. I give you all some idea of questions I'll ask, but then you know it just naturally evolves, and then we talk got on topics, and I'm like, I know people need to hear this because they've been asking me, and I'm like, well, this is what I do, but to hear it from somebody else has been a wonderful. So thinking about all the things that we've talked about, all of your life experiences from, you know, being a first gen to now a doctor and moving and careers. What is the one piece of advice, the one thought, the one word of wisdom or phrase, or what is the thought you want to leave us with to carry with us for the rest of our lives? I think the biggest thing is find your tribe. I tell this to my students all the time. I tell this to, you know, even people like older people, find your tribe. My friends who, my best friend I've known since I was five years old, she's, you know, been through her marriage, her kids, and we are still friends 30 some odd years later. And then even my friends from college, like they will all be there at my graduation next week because that's the bond that we have. And if I didn't have any of them, again, I don't know if I would be at this place I don't know how sane I would be because <laughs> sometimes I you know they have been very helpful in distracting me taking me out of my comfort zone I have one friend who I call the eternal optimist because you may have a negative and she will immediately turn it into a positive but no matter what walk of life you're in finding your tribe and just giving in to them letting them just kind of steer you sometimes because it's needed Amen. <laughs> well, look, Dr. Gardner, you have been an absolute joy. The other thing, where in the world can we find you in the social media or internet space? Uh, where can we connect with you if we'd like to follow up? Sure. So I am, I'm on Facebook, uh, just my regular name, Tasha Gardner. And I am on Instagram as 
I Spark Creative. Nice, nice. So y'all go connect. If y'all have questions, want to just, just learn a little more, talk a little more, make a connection. Dr. Gardner's here. Dr. Gardner, thank you so much for all of your time, for your wisdom. Yes, thank you. Thank you for having me. This was a great experience and I'm looking forward to continuing connecting with you. Absolutely. Me too. Thank you. Thank you so much.